And are you ready, Brightwing? Yes. Rylight, 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 because I gotta remember to call you Rylight and not Brightwing. <laughs> Otherwise, people get confused, including me. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I mean, that's the whole point, though. You know that, right? Confusing people? Yes. Absolutely. That should have been our cold open. Oh, too late. We've already got one written. Hot sauce, mustard, poison sauce, catsup. Rylight, what are you doing? Making a shopping list. And what are you shopping for? Ooh, dinner! But you're just buying condiments. The meat is in the lane. Meat? Uther. <sighs> I should have known. Welcome to Q for Fun. There's a patch out, but we aren't talking about it. Instead, sit back and learn as Roylight is about to present you with the legal reasons why Heroes of the Storm failed to gain track of the traction of League of Legends and Dota. You may have heard some of this before, but Roylight will take you through trademark and copyright issues that cause Blizzard to lose out in the mobile world. It's a very special Q for Fun. Okay, can I just say... Yes. That sounds so dry in comparison to the topic <laughs> well i want to make it uh, let's start out on a somber note and then we'll get into the the, the mudslinging and and backbiting that no doubt went on in the courtroom you okay. can just imagine for, for those of you with imaginations which i hope is all of you you can imagine the slap fight of nerds that happened in arbitration. Oh, that would be you can so imagine Mike Morheim with his arms waving frantically, slap fighting nerds from Valve. I wonder if this actually happened. We can only hope it happened. Right. We can only hope there's footage of it on someone's phone. Is it a Gabe meme? <laughs> Tonight. We're going to lean on Roylite skills. For those of you who don't know, Roylite works in the world of trademarks and copyright. She is an expert in it in many ways. She'll detail her expertise as she needs to. Several other podcasts have talked about why Heroes of the Storm didn't get off the ground the way LOL and Dota did. None of them have, have given as complete of a picture as we're about to attempt to do. And just last week, I had an exchange on Twitter with Scott Johnson, host of The Instance and Core. The latter is formerly a HOTS podcast. And posting from the official Core Twitter, I assume Mr. Johnson wrote, had Heroes and Blizzard figured it out, it would still be there. He, by it would still be there, he's referring to Core would still be a Heroes podcast. It's not anymore. It's a general gaming podcast. It's still quite good. I recommend listening to it. But I want to start out with a simple question. Royalite, is it as simple as HOTS and Blizzard not figuring it out? That just seems... It's such a short question, mm -hmm. but has such a long answer. And getting a little bit into my background, um, I don't deal directly with trademarks and copyrights, but tangentially. And just because I'm crazy, I like to dabble in this stuff. But what was really interesting and in trying to get to, because there's not going to, there can't be, I guess the short answer is it's not simple. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And to, to kind of start things out about um, Blizzard not figuring out, what was really interesting is Mike Morheim had a recent interview with PC Gamer, and he said a really interesting quote along the lines of, Heroes was probably too late. And I think that kind of will lead us down the rabbit hole of events that, you know, how things came crashing down and, and basically how before launch day, Heroes was just not set up to be as successful as some of their other games, such as their MMOs and their first-person shooters. Well, at the time, we didn't have any first-person shooters, but we take your meaning. And so what we're about to get into is a very fast overview of some of the legal copyright and trademark issues that delayed Blizzard being able to launch Heroes, which wasn't Heroes at the time, of the issue of community-created content, who owns what, and why Blizzard got tripped up. I think I'm, I'm going to just speculate here by using the, the phrase tripped up. On the issue of naming and branding, which might have left our beloved Heroes of the Storm kind of in the dust. So really quickly, what is your particular work that you can tell us about in copyright and trademark so everyone understands where you're coming from? Uh, well, I deal with patents, which, again, like are re- tangentially related. Um, you know, it's uh, just kind of all of the same legal realm, and that's kind of what I do as my day job, uh, and at night I'm murdering all the heroes. However, what I, what I wanted to kind of get into, you're right with the speculation because at the end of the day, there are no hard answers to these questions. It came down to, they were going to go in front of a jury to make the decision. So I don't want the takeout to be, Oh, I'm going to get all the answers. No, it's really just a lot of questions. And we have, you know, basic guidelines with the law and how things maybe should shift out. But again, at the end of the day, um, that's where this fight ended up going um, was they were going to ask a jury. Hmm. And in your opinion, which is we're neither of us are legal experts, do you think that the average person is capable of making any kind of informed ruling on an issue like copyright and trademark? The average human being that you've talked to. That's how our law is set up. Well, yes, it's how our law is set up, but is it is it probably better that that we don't drag those things in front of the jury and that and we'll get into this uh, later that uh, Blizzard and Valve hash this out out of court? Well, that's what they ended up doing because it's very hard to ask you know a forty year old guy or girl their opinion on an industry and gaming history that they don't know anything of. I think your average gamer today who plays blizzard games and sees you know world of warcraft 3 and the original dota and dota 2 and and everything the question that they ask right away is why valve how did valve end up with this like 
this was all originally started in Blizzard and in the Blizzard community. How was this, you know, transformation made? And I think when you have jurors, they're not going to see that aspect or have that same viewer vision. They're just going to see the issues regarding, you know, compete, uh, community-made content and the ownership questions that resulted from that. So let's start with a very basic thing then. The MOBA genre as we know it started, and you just used the term, as community-created content. That the original Dota, Defense of the Agents, was a mod built into Warcraft 3's The Frozen Throne. It was built in that engine, and it was part of a community thing that was released originally in 2003. And uh, as I think you indicated in our pre in our, in our pre show warm up to this, that it really started to take off in 2005. So, what is community created content legally, as you understand it? Well, Blizzard stated that within their uh, end user agreement, basically. And I probably shouldn't say uh, end user agreement, but you know EU LA. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so they defined the ownership and the rights specifically in regards to custom games. And the problem was they didn't cover other aspect. They, they didn't because cons- they didn't even foresee Dota. They didn't foresee people creating original art for the items or coming up with the items or coming up with the hero abilities or a lot of the community created content that went into that. Um, So their uh, user agreement was basically just to um, Blizzard owning the custom game. And so that was kind of a a hang up right at the beginning. So, when this custom game starts to take off, who is this community that's creating Dota? Well, I believe the map originated with a guy, and I'm going to butcher his name, so I'll just spell it uh, E-U-L, Yule. Mm-hmm. And uh, he came up with the original map. Um, and it was kind of another caveat to this whole story is in 2004, he basically does a forum post saying, Hey guys, I'm done with this. And then not so I'm not quoting him exactly, but in his words saying that he is making Dota open source and that he's just requesting someone include his name, whoever takes it up in the credits. So further complicating this whole who owns what in the saga. So we have one person who creates the map. What happens after the map is created and put out there and just made kind of available to everybody? Well, it it does go through a line of various community leaders taking up the mantle and further developing the game. I didn't really go into like the trans. I didn't really research the transition from, uh, this game going from one to another, but basically the guy who ends up with it at the end, the infamous unknown ice frog. And ice frog ends up. And if I'm understanding this correctly, based on what we've talked about and based on your notes, which are extensive, that 
Ice Frog basically somehow, and we still don't really know how or understand, ends up with the rights to to Dota as a as a thing. Is that accurate to say? I I wouldn't say that's accurate. And again, because that's the legal questions that Blizzard and Valve are fighting over. That's Valve's claim, you know, that Ice Frog was hired by Valve. And thus, I guess, in their contract had agreed to acquiring the rights of his community-led Dota content. However, it, it gets so choppy because you have to understand that that's still Blizzard's IP. You know, Illidan, Brightwing, myself, um, being in the game, you cannot just take that and have Valve make a new game. So um, it's, I I understand that some places out there, some news articles have said that, but I don't think that's a real accurate representation in what occurred because that's what the whole legal fight was about. So we have this game that starts with the map in 2003. By 2009, tons of people, we have no idea how many, we have no idea who all of them are, have had their fingers in this mod and somehow or another it ends up whether we agree with this assessment or not valve certainly thinks this is the case one person ice frog has control over it valve hires him and try and starts to try and claim that they own dota what is what is the you've already talked about that's that's not that's what the legal fight is about so what happens then? You know, wh- wh- where's where does this go next? Okay. Well, I also want to say it further complicates matters because the the assumption is made that somehow the Dota community is you, you know one entity, but it had you know splintered off, and you know two popular groups were you know Stephen Freak, who was then hired by Riot, and then you have Ice Frog being hired by valve so i you know i i don't understand the words rights or what exactly is being transferred when these guys are being hired um because you know it's this question of it being open source and what exactly do they have um so what ends up kind of happening is um the fight comes down to the name the name Dota, ultimately. Why has it come down to the name? What's so significant about the name? Well, to kind of further tell the history, um, Riot ends up being bought out by Blizzard. So now it's just a fight between Blizzard and Valve. Riot gets bought out by Blizzard? How does that happen? Uh, I think they bought the claim. Oh, so... Riot Blizzard didn't buy the company Riot, they bought the claim. Right. And and it ends up being an LLC. I forgot the name, but it was some Dota named LLC. And mm-hmm. so Riot kind of steps out of the picture and it's just a big, you know, um it's just a fight then between um Blizzard and Valve. And again, I, I wanna clarify that, you know, I, I think it there is a lot of Ultimately, they end up kind of hashing out um, what the fight specifically is about. Like Valve's, you know, 
recognizes that they can't use the Blizzard IP, that they're going to do a different game. You have uh, League of Legends, I believe. I might not be the best at my timeline here coming out. And so the the concept is already a accepted, uh, you know, open source type of thing. Like MOBAs are a thing now with the lanes and, and everything that's going on. So um, the, the fight really didn't come down to Blizzard claiming that they owned the MOBA genre because they didn't. It was community created. They only had the rights then to the custom original maps based on their user agreement. But um, so that kind of all goes away when Valve saying, okay, we're going to make our own original art and IP. We're going to take the hero abilities. We're going to take, you you know, the heroes, but rename them and change them a little bit. But ultimately uh, they get to keep that aspect that ice frog um, with the community was developing in Dota. And so the argument then comes down to can Valve have the name Dota? And Blizzard steps in and is like, hey, wait a minute. No, Dota is us. Dota has been us for these past seven years, you know, at the time that they were making this argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, players are going to be confused. Why Valve when Dota is associated with Blizzard? So the settlement comes down, and, and again, if I'm reading your notes right, uh, that what do you mean by settlement? The out of court. Okay, yeah. The out of court settlement, which is legally what it's called, Blizzard and Valve settle out of court, and they, they you know, Blizzard can't use uh, a Dota. Yeah, which for, I just for find marketing crazy that blizzard in a settlement because they were about to go to jury they were about to fight over this and i think they have they really had you know a, a good position i you know if if valve had somehow been there at the beginning on the groundwork level like then I could see this really being a toss up, but really you have this company coming in so many years after saying, we're going to trademark Dota. It's just kind of mind blowing. And then they're going to fight over this. They're, they, you know, they're talking about going to jury and then Blizzard is just like, nope, we're going to give you Dota. So Blizzard started this this fight with Valve over the issue of naming, and then they gave up the name? Yeah. What did they get? Um, well, I mean, they do have the ability to um, have third-party naming of it, so, like, for non-commercial use. Like, so they could have it in, you know, their StarCraft maps. They, you know, it can be used um it it can't be used for like making a main title game called dota but it can be used through uh third parties so they still kept some of it like open source like it kind of originally was um but yeah they they gave up a lot here 
and it doesn't seem like they got anything for it. It seems like it, it yeah. seems like the, the ball, you know, just, just to put a little editorial on this, it seems like Blizzard drops the ball here. I think they really underestimated the community's passion and the popularity of Dota at this time. I think they were feeling... Because, okay, so when the settlement is happening, Blizzard is planning what would now be called Heroes of the Storm. Yes, originally time, titled Blizzard Dota. At the time, I believe it was like called Hero Heroes All-Stars. Blizzard uh, All-Stars. Yeah, Blizzard All-Stars. And they wanted to call it Dota All-Stars. Um, so, yeah, they just... They backed off, and I, I don't know. I, I think it was a, it was Blizzard's mistake that they did this, um, but also there were many other mistakes. Like Blizzard didn't get involved with Dota from the beginning. They were very much hands off, and they were very proud of what the Dota community had done themselves, and they felt like the Dota community was the best at managing the Dota game, and so. That's why, you know, in, in Mike Manaheim's article, Morheim, thank you, uh, he says they were too late. It's because they didn't want to get involved. They didn't want to make a Dota because they felt like the community was making the best Dota at the time. And, you know, Icefrog did go to Blizzard. And I would love to be a fly on the wall to know why that didn't go through. Like, what happened? That would be a fascinating story to hear. And instead, uh, Blizzard says, no, we're not going to do the community version of Dota. And I guess one, at, this, you know, at the time of the meeting, wants to do their own version of Dota. And Icefrog goes to Valve looking for a game publisher to actually do the original Dota. And maybe my speculation is that's why Blizzard backs off is because they recognize that the people want Dota. They want, you know, they, they kept it true to form as much as they could without violating uh, the IP laws with regards to Blizzard's content. And the community just absolutely loved it, you know, and for some odd reason, Blizzard thought that they could do something better than what the community created. It was like their arrogance at this point, like Dota has been done, you know, look at the popularity of league league. Wasn't Dota league had made mechanical changes we're going to make the next iteration like Blizzard were the genre changing you know company like we take these complex genres like an MMO and simplify it and make it great for the masses we're going to do the same thing with Dota we're going to change it and make it great for the masses so my speculation is that in the settlement, the reason they gave it up is because they realized people would be wanting Dota and they weren't going to be giving people Dota. Hmm. So what we end up getting far too late, by the time Dota 
2 is out in 2013. Heroes the Storm enters Tech Alpha, I believe, in late 2013, early 2014. It's in beta all through 2015 and in 2016, and doesn't get fully released until summer of 2016 when it's out of beta. And at that point, it's three years behind Dota 2 being fully released and six or more years behind League of Legends being fully released. Yeah, I mean, it just enters a very mature market. And, you know, like I said, the couple of mistakes that they did not get involved in the community from the very beginning. Um, and then secondly, um, arrogantly thinking that they could do a better job. Now, the way other podcasts have talked about this, they act like Blizzard didn't know this was going on. And what do you I'm not, mean? I, well, I, I, again, I don't want to throw other podcasters under the bus here. But the way they talk about it, they act like they act like Riot and Valve snuck into Blizzard's backyard, took something without them knowing, and didn't do anything legally about it. You're saying they were engaged in the legal process at at once once the uh, once the things got got involved, and they they ended up in a bad bad settlement. Blizzard wasn't wasn't unknowledgeable. They weren't. They didn't. It's not that they didn't know or didn't care. It's that they didn't understand their own community. Yes. And also, I do want to say, I think it's an aspect of them being the nice guy. They, like I said, they respected the Dota community. They didn't want to uh, punish those creators for using their tools to come up with a fantastic game that people really loved. And that that's the other part of the story is, you know, they didn't want to be demonized for not giving people the Dota that people were expecting. And so they were okay with Valve just taking the mantle, I guess. I mean, I mean again, I am speculating because to me, Yes, there's this messy, crazy thing about who has what, when, and where. Ice Frog isn't the original guy. There's no continuity. There's, you know, questions of abandonment from the guy you could call the original creator. Although, you know, he's just the map who started, you know, this is an iterative creative process that the community was going through as it changed all these hands. And so it becomes even messier because how do you tease out who has what? And then, you know, for one guy to go to Valve and one guy to go to Riot and, you know, it just becomes more and more complicated. And yeah, I just find it like mind blowing that Blizzard's like, okay, we want to do Heroes of the Storm. It's going to be radically different from Dota. We recognize the community wants Dota, so we're going to let Valve do Dota. That's the only thing I can come up with. So we're, we're, we're now in a situation where we have Heroes of the Storm, and there are several things that we don't have that the community seems to clamor for. And, and again, I'm going to go back to the core podcast. One of its other hosts, Bo Schwartz, always seems to bemoan the lack of a map editor. Do you think, and this is speculation, we haven't talked about this beforehand, 
Do you think that one of the reasons why we don't have a HOTS map editor is because of what happened with the Dota mod? I don't think so. I think it's just an issue of time and resources. Um, And also, uh, it's right from the start, they, they messed up by carving out what their um, property rights were from um, when, when did that whole thing kind of begin like in 2002, 2003, mm-hmm. like, so right now, if they were to do it for heroes, they would just need to say anything you do is ours. <laughs> you know what I mean? To avoid the repeat of the situation. And a lot of, um, you know, various companies, not just in gaming, but in, on other platforms, they will say, um, you know, we own everything. And, you know, content creators have to be very careful, careful, sorry, about reading those agreements to see what rights they're giving up. So I would say that if they had a map editor, it would just be an issue of adjusting the user agreement, and that would be the end of it. Hmm. So we've, we, we've, kind of walked us through the issue and I want to take it back to the article for a second because when Mike Morheim is saying that heroes is probably too late, he's not just talking about the, the lateness of heroes, but also kind of the lateness of blizzard in getting involved that if blizzard had been involved with the community efforts, as soon as they were aware that it was popular, they could have kept this entire thing in their yard, but they didn't. And you're speculating that that's because Blizzard is trying to be the good guys by letting the community develop. Is that, is that an accurate assessment of your speculation? Well, the other half being at some point they felt they could do a better job. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's kind of a, a timeline evolve of thinking. I mean, when, when the community first started doing this, Blizzard didn't look at it and say, oh, we could do a better job. It was just when they finally decided that they were going to concentrate on doing a MOBA, that's when they decided to change direction. And that might also be like why they started the legal battle and then later on came up with the settlement, like after they had come up with their strategy of what they wanted to do in the game and their vision of the game and then realize that that doesn't align with what Dota is and that Dota 2 might not be the most appropriate title for what players would be expecting. Now, as we, as we wrap this up, I want to put out um, just some final thoughts from both of us Uh, first, and then I'll give it to Royal light for the last word and subject since she is the expert. And if you don't think she's the expert, she'll eat you. Just, okay. <laughs> just you know, just don't don't question fairy dragons. It's, you're better off just not doing it. So, we went over about ten plus years of history and legal issues and copyright and trademark, and this was two days of Royalite putting all of this together and really kind of trying to suss it out between the PC Gamer article that she'd come across and really getting excited and hyped. And just in two days, this is what she had scrapped together. We haven't even begun to really, begun to really scratch the surface of this. I said at the beginning, and, and I'll say it again, I feel like a lot of times when we talk about issues like this, 
we gloss over things being so simple. And this is why other podcasters have made statements that you might think that we're criticizing. We're not. We're not here to criticize Core or Scott Johnson or anybody else, because first of all, Scott Johnson is is a fantastic human being, and he's just one of the most open, wonderful people in the podcasting world. But everyone talks about this in such simple terms. And after we've been going on this for 28 minutes, after 28 minutes, we're still barely into the surface. We haven't gone into the legal documents and settlements, which as far as I know are all on public record. We could get those. We have the resources to get them. What we don't have is the time. And it would take too long to really do the exhaustive deep dive into the legal aspects of this and to really put it out to you. But what we want you to know and what we're trying to do with this is we're trying to, to, to show you that there's more going on here than what you read on someone's Twitter. There's more going on here than what makes it to the front page of Reddit. And that if you're really interested in this, there's more to learn about this. There's a lot of fascinating stuff. I mean, I, I've been just reading over this over the last hour or two as uh, Royal Light and I were preparing, and there's just a lot more that needs to be talked about and understood. Too often in the gaming community, we kind of go off half-cocked, just reacting, having an opinion, having a thought, and not really knowing enough about it. And even after two days of research, which Royal Light has done, we still have more questions than answers. Yeah, and, I mean, I kind of limited things to, you know, news articles, um, Wikipedia, um, Liquidpedia, uh, you know, the fan sites, kind of more reputable cited sources. But again, they're just giving their summaries. And they're giving it through a different perspective. But I think the the takeaway here is that this wasn't Heroes on Launch Day, everything that Blizzard did to not make this game have the most successful launch it could. But historically, the mistakes they long along the way that had this game held back and pinned down before it even uh, started the race. I also think, and this is my last thought, and then I'll give it to you for the last words. I also think this is emblematic of some of the problems we've seen last year from Blizzard. that They don't always understand who and what their community is. We tend to think of Blizzard as the company that thinks about community most more than other game companies or cares about community most. But it just kind of shows here they really weren't understanding their community as far back as 2003. For as much as we kind of have put in the idea that Blizzard is like the community company. so I really have a different take on that. Oh, take it away. And the reason being is they were very proud and excited and pointed to the Dota community as an example of sort of this gamer utopia that if you just give gamers the right tools, they can create like amazing things. So I, I don't think that they weren't community focused. I think they were just blindsided by, they didn't know the future. Mm -hmm. 
And they thought that the community would be happy just being a community. They didn't think there would ever be the evolution to what happened. And I think had they would have known, hey, if you don't get in on the groundwork and be involved, then Valve is going to claim it. You know, I don't think that ever crossed their mind. And so I I disagree. Like I, like I said in my, um, you know, earlier, I, I think it was a two parts issue. One being playing the nice guy and then the other half being that they had the arrogance of we're going to make something than what that better than what that community created. And if you'd like to hear us talk about this some more, or if you think we're wrong, we're right, whatever, please email us at qforfun at gmail.com. We will be happy to revisit this issue again if there's sufficient interest in it. And But the one thing that we want to leave you with, and we'll get back to our regularly scheduled uh, murder and mayhem, courtesy of one fairy dragon in just a moment. The one thing we do want to leave you, leave you with is that um, this is more complicated. It is. And I don't want to really present everything here as fact and infallible. Um, you know, it's just seen through a different perspective and given a little more insight and certainly, you know, uh, if you guys see something or there's something different than what you guys know or hear or understand, I'd love to hear about it. So I could readjust my analysis or, you know, take it into consideration of my speculation. Cause I would love to, know what was said during these meetings and what was going on for them to think that this would be a good idea. Well, that's it for our very serious topic. Let's end it on a happy note and talk about who you've been eating and murdering. Right, Wing? Misha, Misha, Misha. You're eating Misha? Yeah. What about Rexar? Who's Rexar? The 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 half orc, half ogre guy that like what? runs along behind Misha and flings axes at people. Oh, you mean Misha's pet? I don't I don't eat the the sidekick. So I, you know, I want the main course. So it's bear steaks all around. Um, yeah, it's really hard to do this after doing what we did for the last half hour. Um, I know it's like a complete shift. And I felt that way when we were doing the intro. I was like, whoa, we're getting into some heavy stuff. And then we're going to go back to me, you know. Uh, chomping on bears. Right. And see, that's the thing is right wing is confusing and manic. And, you know, I just love myself being all over the place, changing uh moods and intensities on a dime and you're not expecting it so this is just perfectly fine by me well we don't have a community spotlight for this week um we do have a call though if you are a cosplayer who does Blizz blizzard cosplay specifically heroes of the storm cosplay we would like to know about you so give us uh give us a holler over on our twitter at q for fun 
or you can uh, talk to myself or Royalite directly at Royalite or at Anne underscore Elise and let us know where to find your stuff. We'd like people to know more about you because cosplay is one of the strongest parts of the Blizzard fan community. And I think it needs to be represented more than once a year at BlizzCon. Mm-hmm. Where to find us? We already just talked about it very briefly. Royalette, what are you doing over on Twitter? Uh, I'm posting all the great goodies I'm getting in my loot chest. I'm getting some nice stuff. I'm happy with my skins. And you can find me at Anne underscore Elise. The show is at Q for Fun. And email us at qforfun at gmail.com. We're also going to be streaming more regularly on my Twitch channel. We had a really great stream with uh, Muffin Pinkle and uh, Bright that was Wind fun. God from our Discord channel. If you want to come and play Not with to us. be confused with myself, Brightwing. Yes. There, there's Brightwing, as in Royal Light, and there's Brightwing God, who you'll find uh, chomping down the lanes. And she's a wonderful uh, Brightwing main. Technically, there are three Brightwing mains because I have most of my games played on Brightwing. So <laughs> everyone... I'm just so popular. I get around. <laughs> Royal Light, lead us out. May the core fall in your favor. <laughs>